0: Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Dolphins fans? Welcome to another episode of Power to the Pod. Today is Tuesday, May 11th, 2021. I am your host, Kyle Krabs, managing editor of USA Today's Dolphins Wire director of scouting at thedraftnetwork.com, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, and very excited to dig into another episode in which you take the wheel. All I have to do is steer and keep it between the lines, uh, but you guys dictate where we're going, what we're talking about, and there's no shortage of questions. We got 50-plus Twitter questions. We got some iTunes reviews to get into as well. But before we get there, I do want to take just one brief moment to acknowledge one bit out of Peter King's football morning in America that came out on Sunday night that is very worthwhile for Miami Dolphins fans because of the profile and the showcase that it put the Miami Dolphins into. Brian Flores had a quote in here which I think is quite telling and the whole pr- it looks at the whole process of filtering through the dolphins decision to trade back from 3 back to 12 and up to 6 and you get the impression that well, Brian Flores' feedback to Chris Greer was if we do this trade with San Francisco we have to find a way to get back into the top 10 so that they spent two, three weeks, vetting the rest of the teams in the top 10 to find a seller who was looking to trade back, who'd be interested to go back to 12, they obviously find it in Philadelphia, Philadelphia asks for a premium price, Miami pays it, why did Miami give up a first-round pick in the future to go up and get it? And this is the quote that stood out to me in a very, very, very specific way. And what it tells us when you pair it with some of the other things the Dolphins have done from a personnel perspective this offseason, the Miami Dolphins rebuild Is over. It's done. It's finished. The Dolphins view themselves now as a team that has been rebuilt. The foundation is set. The nucleus of the team is established. And this is the group that they're going to try to go to battle with every single week for the next few years. There will be tinkers. There will be additions. There will be subtractions. There will be business decisions made. Now here's the quote from Brian Flores. The guys we got in 19, the guys we got in 20, the guys we got in 2021 that we get in this draft, that's the team, said Brian Flores, according to Peter King. You know what I mean? That's the team moving forward. As we move forward, that's going to be the crux or the big chunk of our team. They'll be the reason why we make noise or don't make noise. So when you think about that, And you think about the Dolphins being willing to surrender a premier asset in 2022 to go up to six to draft somebody for here and now, and you think about the team starting to sign older veterans over the age of 30, like John Jenkins and Jason McCourty to one-year deals, which we talked about last week on the show, those signings being big signatures of this Dolphins team moving into the next phase of their quote-unquote life cycle. You're no longer rebuilding. You're a young contender, and you need to, to legitimize yourself with, with a repeat performance at worst of what you had last year. But the Dolphins no longer view themselves as a rebuilding franchise. We knew they were ahead of schedule when they won 10 games in year two, but now this front office and hierarchy has made the decision that it's time to make decisions based on competing, not rebuilding. Now, I'm sure they'll still make financially responsible decisions. They're not going to go back to the ways of uh, the Jeff Ireland or the the Dennis Hickey or the Mike Tannenbaum eras in which those guys were the uh, prominent decision makers on the team. Granted, the Chris Greer era overlapped with Tannenbaum, but Tannenbaum had more weight and clout to pull there. There's no question about that. So this is a big step, and this is straight from the mouth of Brian Flores. And it's a really fascinating spotlight by Peter King to go into the details of how Miami made the decision to make the trade, what that process looked like, why they were willing to do it. And again, Peter King got the same impression that we kind of got on the post-draft press conference, that Jalen Waddell might have been this team's guy all along. Brian Flores said that to Peter King. There was a player that we felt really comfortable would be there at six. Alluding to not Kyle Pitts or Jamar Chase. But I think this is a very significant landmark in the Dolphins in this chapter of their organization. Uh, It's going to mark a shift in some philosophical thinking and some team building tools And maneuvers, uh, no longer, okay, you know, we got to stock the war chest. We got to get all the draft picks. They'll still build through the draft. But I think, and you saw this with the move back up from 12 to 6, whereas in 2020, the Dolphins with all these premier assets and they're seeing players come off the board that they liked, they didn't make any moves. They stood pat and they let the board come to them. Well, this time around, They were willing to give up a future one because they had multiple, granted, to go get a guy. There's going to be more aggressiveness to say this is a player that could be a missing link to the nucleus and foundation we have established on our roster. And hat tip to to Travis Wingfield, uh, former host of this podcast, host of Drive Time, official team writer for the team who went through the projected starting lineup and looked at you know how each one of those players was acquired. And over half of the projected starting lineup on offense and defense for the Dolphins is players that have been drafted in the last three years in the first three rounds of the draft. 12 out of 22. Xavier Howard's a holdover. Devontae Parker's a holdover. Guys like Will Fuller in free agency... Byron Jones in free agency. But by and large, and I think 19 out of 20 were players who were you know, Miles Gaskin, Solomon Kinley, somebody else whose name is, is probably escaping me, top talents as of recently, within the last six years. You know, Parker being the longest-tenured Dolphin on the team, all by his loathsome after Bobby McCain was cut. So this is like a young team of very highly coveted talents over the course of the last three to five years of NFL drafts, and the Dolphins acquired the majority of them by drafting them themselves. What the ceiling is is going to be determined by how well this team drafts and then develops. But we've reached a big landmark in Brian Flores being able to openly say, the guys we got in the last three years in the draft, that's the team. That's the crux of it moving forward. They'll be the reason why we have success and make noise, or don't. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. Get all the latest news, odds, and info on all of your sporting needs, including Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL, and UFC. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information available. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using promo code locked on. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Power to the Pod time. Handing the keys over to each and every single one of you. Uh, we'll start with iTunes reviews. First one comes from Two of Magic. It was from last Tuesday. Love the show. Thanks for listening. I'm curious as to who you believe will fill the Kyle Van Noy role this season. Seems like he was the only loss from the defense last year. Uh, I'd count Shaq Lawson as a loss. Other than that, yeah, I mean, I feel really good about the defensive depth chart. They're going to be better than they were last year. It's just a question of can you replicate the turnovers, which is much more of a uh, variance type thing. I don't want to say luck, but... You know, to have a guy who had 10 interceptions last year, there's a reason those seasons are so rare, regardless of how well you play. But as far as the Van Noy role specifically, I point to Van Ginkle on some of the the passing downs, and I would not rule out, because Van Noy played 70% of his snaps on the line of scrimmage, as an end man on the line of scrimmage, I would not rule out... Jalen Phillips at a two point stance rushing the passer. Now he'll he'll be playing forward more than Van Noy did. Make no mistake about that. But I would not rule out Phillips taking some of those rush reps as a stand up end man on the line of scrimmage. Jason for Finns last Tuesday. Why haven't the Dolphins looked at signing Austin Reiter at center? PFF has him rated as a 70, and Matt Skur is rated as a 50. Uh, For me personally, I I think Pro Football Focus does a lot of things really, really well. Uh, And I have a lot of people that I have a great deal of respect for over there. Um, But I don't think it's necessarily as simple as just looking at a number that's assigned to them based on their play and then picking the highest number and projecting them into a completely different offense. So from Austin Ryder's perspective, uh, he played in Kansas City last year, 6'3", 305. Skur is 6'3", 315. And I I do think pass protection for high-level quarterbacks uh, can cover your rear in a lot of cases. Uh, So if you ask me which player was more physically talented, I'd probably lean into Matt Skura. Now, he's got to get the snapping issue that he had over a short stretch of time last year under control. But, you know, just from a physical talent perspective, I would covet Skura, personally. So, I, I... I would encourage not to put too much stock into the PFF grade specifically just because it doesn't take context. It, it looks at what they did last year in last year's offense, not projecting them into what they do this year. Uh, K dude, 89 from Thursday, five stars. Appreciate the, the uh, review, my friend. Uh, not sure if anyone else is having issues, but my native podcast app on my iPhone is not loading your podcast. Had to switch to Stitcher. Yes, this is, um, iTunes has had some trouble. It, Feels like it's sorted out, but I cannot promise that it will not happen again. It's been ongoing ever since they did an update about a month and month and a half ago. Uh, fortunately, Locked On Dolphins has been relatively untouched by this. I'm going to try to do my best to keep it that way. Uh, but if in any instances you are not seeing updated shows Monday through Friday, I didn't go on vacation. We're still doing a show every day. <laughs> Uh, it may be the iTunes, whatever their bug is that they're figuring out and sorting through. Uh, so literally any other podcast syndication, any other podcast app, it's going to be on there. So uh, I appreciate you mentioning something, K-Dude, just so that we had a chance to acknowledge that on today's show. One and only Lakers, five-star. Who's going to lead? This was last Thursday. First, first sports shirt I owned was an Aqua Zonka jersey. With the release and the departure of team captains and leaders, respected players with skins on their walls like McCain, Van Noy, Fitzpatrick, and even Flowers. Who do you see that has to take the reins, lead the pups, and set the example for our style? Uh, Wilkins, Howard, Jones, McKinney, Fuller, Tua. Is he ready or is it just going to have to be? Um, so let's do offensive defense. I, I think defensively you have more options more attractive options available to you for leadership. Um, I think Bernardrick McKinney, uh, first year on the team, but a well-tenured player. He has some accolades in the league. Here's hoping he's healthy. He plays the linebacker spot. I would not sleep on Eric Rowe uh, as another tenured guy. He's been around the league a bunch. He's experienced winning. Uh, He's a part of this Flores system and going all the way back to New England. Communication on the back end is something that has been said by the Dolphins staff is essential to them. Rowe can help with that on the back end with his experience. And I think Byron Jones is another natural choice. I wouldn't sleep on Emmanuel Agua up front either. Uh, Wilkins, yeah, year three, high energy, picked by this regime, makes a lot of sense as well. So, like, you got options defensively, offensively. I don't think the wide receiver room is going to offer you what you want from a leadership perspective. Typically, this goes along the offensive line. But your offensive line uh, is probably going to be three second-year players, a free agent signing, first year on a one-year deal, and a rookie. Great, great, outstanding. Uh, DJ Fluker, if we were feeling as though he could start, would perhaps be a candidate. Mike Iseki, maybe. Tua tonga is an obvious choice because he is a quarterback. And I think the sweat equity that he's putting in this offseason is going to be really helpful uh, to earning the trust and respect, even more so than what was already in place. Uh, I know Dolphins players had a lot of encouraging words to say about Tua with how he handled following fits and learning how to be a pro quarterback underneath a fits and being a sponge and asking questions and popping into position coaches' rooms and at So, like, he's doing the right things. So I think Tua is kind of the natural selection there, even though he is a second-year player, just because he's going to be the starting quarterback. And he's putting in a ton of sweat equity this offseason to get things right with his players. Last iTunes review from Ish. If you left one and it didn't show up, no worries. I'll get you next week. Like I said, I got a couple from Tuesday last week on today's show. Is there any news on Xavier Howard and his request for new contract? So be a short one. No, I've heard nothing. Uh, I wouldn't read too much into the Dolphins going above and beyond a corner either. Uh, I think it's just right now no such thing as too many good corners, which is a great mentality to have. And really ramping up competition on the roster at one of the core foundational position groups that that Miami identifies with uh, as far as their identity as a team rockauto.com is a family business who's been providing auto parts customers with high quality service online for the last 20 years so whether you're shopping for engine control modules brake parts taillights motor oil or even new carpet rockauto.com has everything you need in one easy to navigate catalog and in just a few clicks you can get everything delivered directly to your front door best of all prices are the same at rockauto.com for both professionals and do-it-yourselfers so why would you shop anywhere else and spend it twice as much for the same parts So visit rockauto.com for all your auto parts needs and write locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. We're on to Twitter questions, and the first one is a heater from Lloyd. Why have you been doing so much hand-waving since the draft to attempt to explain away the Dolphins' complete failure to adequately address What your analysis said were two of the four main needs before the draft, running back and center. Okay. I think it's important for me to uh, just touch a little bit on what my process is like, and I'm not above criticizing the team. Go back to listen to week two after the Dolphins lost to the Bills. This is ultimately a results-driven league. And if there's criticism for how the Dolphins chose to attack the offseason, I don't think right now, like a week after they got through the draft, is the appropriate time to provide that criticism. Because for all we know, they could strike a a trade in in June, they could pick somebody who's cut off waivers uh, at roster cut down time. There are no shortage of opportunities for the Dolphins to continue to peck through. And maybe like guys like Miles Gaskin and Matt Skura end up being average to above average starters for the Miami Dolphins. You can't address every need that you have in any given year. And when we did the math and we looked at they've got five top 100 picks. Man, I wish they had two more, right? So that you could get everything that you need to take and care of. But I'll say this. It's they didn't not address those positions. They just didn't address those positions in the draft, right? Because they signed Malcolm Brown at running back. They signed Matt Skur in free agency. They brought in new players. Um, So what my objective is right now is to, before the draft, it was to look at all the possible iterations and combinations. So that way, when they made their decisions, we understood why they made what decisions they did. Right now... It's reacting to the decisions that they made to then set the table for how things theoretically could or should work if the Dolphins have the kind of season we all believe they're capable of having. But I'm not going to pound the Dolphins right now for not drafting a running back when, for all we know, we could get to the end of the 2021 season. Miles Gaskin plays 16 games, rushes for 1200 yards and the Dolphins average 4.4 yards per carry and they can close out games because of the improvements they made up front on the offensive line. And I believe, you know, maybe I did say center, but if I said center, I would have liked to have clarified that and said interior offensive line, you know, Eric Flowers and moving Eric Flowers off the book is a win by itself. Um... But I thought the Dolphins, they pick good players. So I can't be mad at a process in which the Dolphins get two first-round players who are amongst my top 10 available players in this year's draft class, top 8 available players, top 7 available players in this year's draft class, regardless of what team you're evaluating them for. In the first round, and both fit premier positions of need for the team, I can't get mad at that. It's a good process to draft good players and not force it. And not just force drafting for need. Drafting for need is, in my opinion, an even quicker first-class way to set yourself up for disappointment. Because you're not picking players in appropriate valuations in the draft. The expectations are not going to match reality. So, Lloyd, uh, I don't want you to feel as though I'm hand-waving and poo-pooing the outstanding issues on the Dolphins roster. But there's so much ground for us to cover as far as what this team is right now and the decisions that the Dolphins made and why they made them and how they should theoretically work. That uh, I did, Now's not an appropriate time, in my opinion, to, to chastise the Dolphins for not drafting a running back or not drafting a center in the top 100 when they had five 100 picks, and you ideally would have liked to have had seven of them so you could hit everything you felt you needed to. It was a numbers game. If the results are bad... And we sit here and find the dolphins at two and four, and they can't run the football to save their lives. then we'll have that conversation, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but, but I want to let this process play out. and want to Dolphins, this regime and there's a lot of questions about this regime here that I still want to get to today they've earned my trust in a lot of ways because of they've had good process, and for two consecutive years, their good process has lead, led to outperforming expectations. Alejo, most used catchphrase by grinding the tape, a.k.a. yours truly. More power to you, not a math guy, flexibility is the name of the game, or other. Man, he even put a poll in here. There's nine votes on this. I'm going to vote on it real quick. Uh, And I'm going to say more power to you. Not a math guy uh, taking 80% of the vote, uh, but more power to you with 20%. That would be the one I catch myself saying the most often. Uh, Josh, would you compare... Brian Flores is multiple disguise defense to how McVay Shanahan try and disguise everything on offense. Um it's a little different. And I think it's a little different because offensive football is more about having your core principles and just finding new ways to get to the same concepts. Defensively, the Dolphins and a lot of the, the higher level defensive coaches across the league, they have more that they can throw at you. Uh, but that's been one of the big you know, educational things for me. I've been watching some coaches clinic this weekend. I did two of Sarkeesian. I did one of Mike Gundy all around RPO play action passing. And um, one of the prominent takeaways that I had was like, offensive football is really just about identifying what your core staple concepts are and finding as many creative ways to get to those same concepts as you possibly can so the nuance is I think where I would say I disagree with that Josh but I don't mind that analogy Alex in what capacity will Waddle be featured in the Dolphins offense I think it's probably too early to say anything other than an educated guess but uh, if the Dolphins come back and run 11 personnel like they did last year which I don't know if that's going to be the case because they drafted Hunter Long and they ran, I think, 28% of their offensive snaps last year were in 20, were in 12 personnel. That number needs to be higher, as far as I'm concerned. Especially with Gasecki being a pseudo-wide receiver anyway. I think Waddles going to work the slot almost exclusively. And he's going to run routes down the field, or he's going to run designed some of the routes that the Scheme touches that Jakeem Grant got, you can give those to Jalen Waddell, and he will thrive in them every bit as well as what uh, JaKeem Grant did. Jared, interested in how to get over the Buffalo Bills in particular, what causes breakdowns versus Josh Allen? Obviously, personnel plays part of it, but is there an element to Flores' scheme that makes the scramble ball particularly effective? Any tweaks to it? Yeah, I think you look at some of the teams that have had success against not even Flores, but Belichick and Disciple and Belichick and Disciple defenses. Quarterbacks who can extend plays and force things to break down are going to have the most success because if you have to play within structure against a Belichick or Belichick disciple defense, you're gonna have a long day. <laughs> so you need to be able to win outside of structure. And Allen has so much success with it because he has access to every single spot on the field, regardless of where he's at, where his momentum is carrying him. Um, If there's somebody in his face, if he can get into the throw or not get into the throw, throw off his back foot, fading weight, running to his left, doesn't matter. He's got the arm strength that he can access the entire field. So you have to be perfect. If you're going to play man, like, bless you. You're going to be chasing guys for seven seconds unless you're going to be able to get home, and that's been one of the big issues with the Dolphins with their pass rush against Josh Allen. You got guys to get there. You just can't get this guy to the ground. It's so demoralizing. So hopefully Josh Allen meets Jalen Phillips a couple of times this year, and Phillips can prove his impact, and that's one of the big measuring sticks that we had when we talked at the beginning of the offseason was Miami has to find a primary pass rusher that can win one-on-ones and finish and Phillips is a top-level athlete at the position so hopefully he can be that guy for Miami. Brian what kind of role should Brandon Jones best be suited for can he play free safety? He played some deep stuff at Texas, but I think that's a misuse of his skills. I kind of view him as more of like the Patrick Chung equivalent for Miami. Uh, if you remember Patrick Chung, retired this offseason, uh, played a bunch with New England. He um, was kind of that, that rat in the hole, which is that guy who's, who's playing robber in the, the shallow areas. He could play some man-to-man, kind of a pseudo linebacker type, get into some run fits. I think that's where Brandon Jones fits best. Uh, but no, I would not endorse playing Brandon Jones at free safety. Ben wants to talk about the wide receiver room and which players are redundant. Uh, I think you got three separate groups. I think you have your big-bodied guys. You have four separate groups. You have your big-bodied guys, your Devontae Parker and Preston Williams. You have your slot types, your – or your shifty slot types, which is your Albert Wilson, Limbo, and Junior Malcolm Perry. You have your speed guys, which is Jalen Waddle and Will Fuller, and you put Shaquem Grant in there. Uh, and then you have special teams guys, you know, Matt Collins. And if you want to get rid of special teams guys and just, you know, say let's disperse those guys elsewhere, then then you could say you have three of size, shifty slot, and speed. And Grant goes in the, the speed bucket with Waddle and Fuller. And then Hollins goes in the big body group with Preston Williams and Devante Parker. So if you take the top two names out of every group, uh, you got six wide receivers to work with. You might carry seven, in which case I think Mac Hollins gets some advantage for his work as a gunner. He was the, the teams. He's a really good gunner on special teams. Uh, so let's say you keep seven wide receivers: uh, Parker, Williams, top two in the big body group. And then you have Matt Collins. You would have Waddle and Fuller in the speed group. And then you'd have Albert Wilson in the slot. And you'd have Lim Bowden Jr., in my opinion, over um, Malcolm Perry. Where this all gets sorted out and who makes the cut and who doesn't is really just going to come down to who can play special teams. Uh Robert Foster's in consideration. Alan Hearns in my opinion should be you know off the list. I think the young guys like Loxley and Merritt aren't gonna offer you a lot of value. Isaiah Ford's not gonna offer you a lot of value. Uh, so it's it's really gonna be between like Perry versus Bowden for that final spot in the shifty wide receiver group. Uh, and then it's gonna be Grant versus Foster versus Mac Hollins for that seven spot with kind of an interesting layer here being if they want more special teams and they're going to transition to more smaller wide receivers. um, How much weight does Preston Williams have as somebody who's missed the second half of each, the last two seasons, his, his only two seasons in the NFL. Um, I think that would be a mistake. I'd like to keep him around. Uh, But it's going to be a numbers game, and Miami's going to have to make some hard decisions with this wide receiver room, which is an admirable place to be when you consider how how bad and ugly it was uh, not all that long ago, right? Uh, Fins up. You see Noah Igbo having a chance to secure the slot. I see him working with Kenny Moore. Could he be training for that spot? I don't think Needham is the man for the job. Uh, You and me both with Nick Needham. I think rotationally, Igbo could get that role uh but i think that they don't make that decision and not be prepared for something to happen on the outside right so i don't know if it's Xavier Howard with his contract demands i don't know if it's Byron Jones becoming cap casualty down the road i don't know what it is uh but Igbo's got a really unique chance um, I wouldn't force him on the field, especially because he's so raw. If he still needs to, like, fine-tune just playing corner, then c- pick a spot to play him and take your time. You talked about how you're going to build for the long term and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and you, if you drafted it in advance because it was a far and away, you know, high-ceiling pick for you at the time, then so be it, you know, and maybe that's one that we would ideally maybe do differently if we had another chance, if that's the way it plays out, uh, but I I would not – eagerly look to just force him onto the field because he was so raw coming out of Auburn as a guy who only played defense for I believe two years Adam wants a 55 man roster projection couple of things uh, that is a very, very that's a week's worth of content probably when we go that route and we'll go that way soon we'll do that before training camp for sure uh, we'll do the way too early one and then we'll do one at the end of camp but but. It's still a 53-man roster. You just have the ability to elevate two players off the practice squad on any given week for game day. So you'll you'll have your players who don't dress. You'll have your players from the practice squad who you can elevate. But it's still technically you have to cut to 53 to start the year. Marcos wants to know if I think the draft should happen before free agency. I'm out on that. Uh, I like to strategize the money first, right? Uh, I understand that that if you did it the other way around and you could just draft best player available and then sign free agents to fill for need, I think you'd see even more gross overreaching on spending uh, in that capacity. So just kind of selfishly, like, from a team-building perspective and, and, you know, taking that look from that scope the way that I do so often for the Draft Network, I'm out. No thank you. Uh, Edgar, seems like some of the Dolphins' moves to be making – uh, DBs who are naturally more ball hawks. I feel like the Finns are adding insurance to replace Davian's production in case of injury or possible trade or both. Would you agree? You can't own enough, You can't have enough playmakers. And what I'll say is this: year, and I alluded to it earlier. Expecting Davian Howard to get ten interceptions every year is not a sustainable model for success. It's just not. You have to have more guys that can make plays. And you go back and you look at the elite teams that the Dolphins played last year: the Buffalo Bills, the Kansas City Chiefs, Seattle Seahawks. At the time, they didn't finish the elite, but they were playing really well. When, when Miami played them, of course, why would they not be? You need more difference makers. You need guys to make game-changing plays. That's the difference. You can be really well-coached and really smart and disciplined and not beat yourself, but when you play the best of the best, you better have guys that can turn the tide of a game with a play in crunch time to help pull a game out for you. Because the elite ones, the elite quarterbacks on the other sideline, they're not going to blink. That's how Russell Wilson goes the length of the field in 30 seconds and gets a touchdown just before the half against the Dolphins. Last one of the day from Adam. As I eat this built bar, I ponder about the Dolphins 2020 class. Which second year player, other than Tua, do you see making the biggest jump? I feel like Austin Jackson will benefit the most from a full offseason. That was definitely one to grow on. You can probably give me Robert Hunt here. Uh, I'm super encouraged that Austin Jackson got the playing experience that he did. I believe he started 12 games playing 13. Igbenogany is still kind of caught up in that log jam at cornerback. And the Dolphins continue to invest in the secondary, so he's he's going to have to rise uh, significantly to command one of those roles. I think if they were going to pigeonhole him in the slot, they wouldn't have signed Justin Coleman and brought in McCordy and drafted John. Like, it's just too much investment there for me to feel like that they're just going to say, okay, Noah, like, go ahead out there and take your spot. Robert Hunt moving inside to guard. And he, I thought he was the best rookie offensive lineman the Dolphins had when he played last year. And it's a damn shame that he got kept off the field because the Dolphins need to start Solomon Kinley at right guard. And they didn't want to start rookies next to one another. I get it. But I think Robert Hunt moving inside to play guard where his ceiling is undeniably higher, um, that could make that could make a lot of noise and help with this inside push that Miami struggled with at times last year. Raekwon, I think he'll be a stud at nose tackle, He but he made a big jump in the second half of the year last year, starting with the Rams game. I think Brandon Jones uh, will be good as kind of a third safety. Keep him low, don't play him high. Don't ask him to play a lot of deep coverages. So that's kind of where I stand on the the top 100 guys from last year's class. Give me Robert Hunt to make the biggest jump, despite the fact that he was the best-playing rookie on the offensive line last year uh, once he finally got in the starting lineup. I hope you guys enjoyed. Uh, Tomorrow, we're going to go back over some of the additional uncoverings from Peter King and his column. Uh, Thursday, we got the schedule release reaction, so lots to look forward to this week. Hit subscribe on the podcast. Thanks, as always, for listening. I'm Kyle Krabs. Keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins. Fins up. Have a great Tuesday. I'll talk to you guys tomorrow.